We're in Isaiah chapter 9, uh, verses 6 through 7. Uh, okay, Isaiah chapter 9, 6 through 7. Um, I wonder if we could uh, read this passage uh, together uh, to begin. For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder. His name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the increase of his government and of peace there will be no end. On the throne of David and over his kingdom to establish it and to uphold it with justice and with righteousness from this time forth and forevermore. The zeal of the Lord of hosts will do this. This is the word of the Lord. This passage is, uh, of course, a very classic uh, Christmas uh, passage um, that we hear quite often uh, leading up to uh, Christmas in Advent. Um, And it's an interesting passage because it uh, speaks about expectation, right? It's a prophecy. And I think about expectations, and I think about expectations during this time, you know, and and the the first expectation I think about is actually Christmas Day. I don't know about you, but there's a lot that goes into expectations for Christmas. You know, what what do we expect about Christmas? Anybody have expectations about Christmas? Presents, Noam. (laughs) Presents. Okay, any, any other expectations about Christmas? Food, okay, good food. Wine. Wine, okay. Not for the children, but yeah, well, well yeah, okay, let's say not for the children. <laughs> Anything else? Snow. Snow, yes. We're supposed to get a, 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 snow, a, a white Christmas this year. That's, uh, that's what the forecast has. Um, not in India, probably. <laughs> Well, we don't know. Maybe some parts of India. India is a big country. Um, um, you know, Christmas is this time of expectations. Uh, I, I know for the kids, you know, our kids, you know, they, there's, there's gifts. There's also Advent calendars for them, you know, that each day, you know, they, they've been opening the, their little Advent calendar. And I don't know where that tradition came about, but, you know, there's this expectation each morning. And, you know, I, I won't reveal whom, but uh, one of my children has a trouble getting out of bed normally. And uh, that child uh, seems to be up every single morning well before I am <laughs> because of the advent calendar, you know. And there's this expectation, this excitement um, that is around uh, uh, these, these celebrations. Um, but I think also with, with Christmas uh, and the expectations of, of children, especially for our home, um, there's expectations that of a little bit of dread. I, I, I hate to say that Christmas sometimes has a little bit of dread because we have to buy the gifts. <laughs> we have to buy, we have to prepare all these things. And there, there's also the sense in which, is Christmas about the stuff, you know? Um, or is there something else that we want to convey to our children? Um, but perhaps, you know, it's a difference in perspective, a difference of perspective of expectations, and kids um, maybe have a simpler and more innocent um, view of, of life than us. Um, 
this passage is also, aside from just expectations, this expectations of a child, a child to be born. And, you know, I remember when we were expecting uh, our first child, you know, there was all this thing that you, you get ready, you know, you get the bed ready, the room ready, you know, and you get all these books and you go to these classes and uh, Betty was watching What to Expect When You're Expecting, which is a horrible show to watch while you're pregnant. <laughs> Just, I don't know if you've ever watched this. Anyhow, don't watch it. Uh, <laughs> but, but, you know, there, there's all these different things that you do to prepare for, um, for a, uh, expectant parents. Um, and also there's the, the act of thinking of names for a child, right? You think about a name, you know, this is the identity that this child will have, right? And I don't know about different customs, but I, uh, you know, in, in Chinese culture, um, a name that you give a child is actually really important because it kind of gives them, ascribes to them their qualities, right? And so, you know, if you ask around uh, different people in the, in the church, I, I suspect there might be a lot of brights, you know, people who are bright and smart and beautiful in their names, in their Chinese names. What's in your Chinese name? You don't want to <laughs> confess? <laughs> it's all there. <laughs> um, you know, in, in, in names, there's this expectation of aspirations. Um, but I think at the same time, with the expectation of a parent, there's an expectation of worries. Uh, I know there was a lot of worries for us in the labor process. Uh, both uh, uh, labors were quite um, uh, challenging, um, uh, worrisome, uh, actually. Um, but as you have a child, you know, oftentimes you know, they cry and they make weird noises and you have no clue what it is, that why are they crying and making these noises? For some reason, I learned this word colic. You know this word? I had to learn it when I had Benjamin. I was like, what? Because that's what the internet said everything was. <laughs> What's the solution? Dunno. I was like, darn it, <laughs> what is this? You know, there's this unknown in what you have, right? And, and the realization that this, this, this child is fragile and all their survival is dependent upon those who are around them. And so I think with expectation, there's, there's both the joys of expectation, the promises and the hopes that are in the expectation, but there's also the, the worries that come with expectation, the uncertainties that come from expectation. This passage is about expectation of a child to be born. So undoubtedly, all these feelings of expectation are there. There's joys and perhaps worries. And in, in uh, the Jewish context, much like uh, the Chinese context, it is patrilineal. That is, it, there's a preference for, for males, uh, male children, right? And here is not only a child to be born, but a son who is given. And, uh, you know, I know in many uh, traditional Chinese families in particular who put much hope in a son, and that they keep having children until they actually have a son. That, that can be problematic if you have a lot of daughters being born. Uh, or not, not problematic, I shouldn't say it. <laughs> it is, it is uh, it, it's, yeah, okay, anyway. Uh, <laughs> um, but, but there's this expectation of a child, and in particular, a son that is born. But this passage is more than about any son or any child. 
It is a child in which a government, the government, shall be upon his shoulder. This is an odd phrase, and, and in some translations, it's, it talks about political authorities and whatnot. Um, and, and first of all, you know, when we, when we read this passage, we know from this side of history, if you will, um, 2,000 uh, some years from uh, the birth of, of Jesus, that this is the promise of a divine son, Jesus, the son of God. Many people have pointed to the, the us here. For to us, a child is born. To us, a son that is given. And this, this, uh, this uh, what we call first-person plural okay, in, in uh, grammar, um, you know, us as, as opposed to, to me, you know, this is my child, my son, right? As a patrilineal family may, may, may underscore. But to us, a child is born. To us, a son is given. This us, many people have uh, pointed to this and suggested that this has parallels with uh, Genesis 1, 26, in which um, God says, let us make humanity in our image, right? And so this, this is a divine utterance, in other words. It is the us in the plurality of who God is, namely in the Trinity. And this is why uh, the names that follow uh, in this first verse, uh, verse 6, is wonderful counselor, mighty God, everlasting father and prince of peace these are divine names that are given and they're they're almost like you know the the, the names that you give a, a chinese child right they're names of aspiration and expectation these names that the divine child will be a wonderful counselor mighty god everlasting father and prince of peace it is in this child that the promises will come. But even more than a divine child, this is the promise of a divine king, right? And there's this idea that we have of uh, the government here. I'm not sure if this was intentional, but, but the passages for Advent that uh, Tu has been preaching through, and, and uh, as, as we wrap up in, uh, today before uh, Christmas um, next week, uh, yes, the, the last four weeks uh, in, in, so far have been fr- passages from Isaiah and Micah, okay? And these two uh, prophets um, are contemporaries, rough contemporaries of one another. They're around the same uh, time, and they are both prophets of the southern kingdom, okay? What's known as Judah normally. The southern as opposed to the northern kingdom. And in the north, of course, there is the attack of Assyria, and the expectation that Assyria is going to not only go through the north, but also attack the south, the southern kingdom. And so these verses speak about governments or political authorities, and it's a suggestion almost to the situation that is around, of Assyria that's encroaching, of the, of the divided kingdom. And for the prophet Isaiah, the point here is not only the promise of a king, but of a of a king of the throne of David. What does that mean? It's a Davidic king. David, of course, was one of the last kings before the kingdom was divided. It's a king, kingdom of a united kingdom. And it is this divine king who is above all political authorities, who comes with a divine authority and a dominion over all. 
this uh, idea of uh, authority or this idea that, that the governments uh, you know, will be upon his shoulders and, and all this it, it, it is, is really this idea that under the, the divine king, other, under the Davidic king, it is through him that all will be under control. You know, you can think of, uh, you, you've perhaps heard this phrase, Pax Romana, you know, uh, the peace of Rome. Uh, Pax, some people pronounce it Pax, P-A-X, Pax Romana. Um, but it, it's this idea that uh, during the Roman Empire, when the extent to wherever Ro- Roman territory war- was, that is part of the dominion of the emperor of Rome, and that is where the peace of Rome exists, because that is under his authority, and is under his dominion, okay? under his control. Um, I, I, I've heard a lot about dominions and stuff like that uh, in recent uh, uh, months. Um, not sure it's the same, but, um, but you know, the, the, this idea uh, that we have here of this divine king, and indeed this divine prince of peace, is of the peace uh, that is offered by this divine king, this Davidic king that brings together all, not only the north and the south, but all of um, uh, the world. It is a lot riding on this expectant child, this promised son, the divine king. Now, we are on, of course, uh, this side of history, 2022, past Isaiah's prophecy, past the birth of Christ. How do we reflect about uh, this kind of a passage? And indeed, uh, these Advent uh, sermons uh, as we think about Christmas. The, this is a, a passage that I've been um, praying through in the last few weeks uh, in preparation for the sermon. And what was interesting was that for, for me, um, this passage reminded me of an occasion that ha- an episode that happens in Matthew chapter 16. Okay? And in Matthew chapter 16, that's when Jesus is uh, amongst his disciples and he asks, uh, who do you say I am? Right? Who do the people say I am? And they say all these different things. And it's like, who do you say I am? And of course, you have Simon Peter. You know, Simon Peter is an interesting character. He's kind of spontaneous. He's kind of like, uh, he, he, he feels, he, what, what, he, he has his feelings on his shoulder, you know. You know what he feels, you know, and, and he's like, you know, spot on, right? He just jumps out and he says, this is what it is, right? And as soon as Jesus asks, who do you say I am? He says, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. And you think, wow, what a declaration, you are the Christ, that is the Messiah, the anointed one, the one blessed by God. But even more, you are the son of the living God. You see, for Peter, he knows his Bible. He knows the prophecies. And he knows the promises of Isaiah chapter 9, verses 6 and 7. He knows that Jesus is this promised Christ the divine king. Of course, in Matthew 16, if you look at Matthew 16 and you just follow that passage a few uh, verses down, Jesus confirms 
uh, Peter's assertion, blesses him and tells him that it is the Father in heaven that, that revealed this truth to him. Star to you, Peter. You know, blessed are you, Peter. And even more, God has spoken to you, Peter. But then in Matthew 16, immediately after Peter's declaration, Jesus talks about how he will suffer and be killed. And what does this quick-spirited Peter do? He rebukes Jesus, right? Peter rebukes the Christ. He has the audacity to correct the promised divine king. And Jesus responds, get behind me, Satan. You are a hindrance to me. And that is a a slap in the face. Now, you might be wondering, what what is the connection between Matthew 16 and Isaiah chapter 9? Um, I I think the connection for for myself was that uh, Peter's response seems to actually be the correct response, the correct expectation of what the promised divine king was to be. He had every hope that this promised divine king was to be the ultimate of authorities. All earthly kingdoms would bow down to this divine king. But rather, what Jesus' earthly ministry demonstrated and what he was saying in Matthew 16 was that it is not like any earthly ministry, or excuse me, earthly kingdom. Jesus, the Christ, came as a child in all fragility, just like any other child uh, whose survival is purely based on the love of others. Jesus came with all the hope and expectation to be a servant king. And this, I think, is a difference in perspective. That in this passage, there's all this hope and expectation for this political leader to come, to right the wrongs in society, to, to correct the, uh, uh, and protect and to have dominion over all things, including the Assyrian Empire's conquests. And yet the king, uh, the, the king and the kingdom that is promised is one that's peace will see no end, that's justice will see no end. And how is it expressed when we find um, the gospel story, when we find Christmas, the first Christmas um, coming about? We find a baby in a manger. We find a lowly child in a lowly place. We find a servant king. I don't know about you, but I don't like the idea of somebody being a servant. Okay? Just my bias, perhaps. Um, I, uh, you know, I, I remember when when we uh, when Benny and I got married. You know, we we do what you do in North America when you go on honeymoons. We went to Hawaii. You know, that's that's where you do. You know, <laughs> uh, I don't know where Brits go, but <laughs> we went to Hawaii. And you know, you go to Hawaii, and you know, we we, we didn't have uh, 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 all that much money. You know, I was a student at the time. You know, um, and. Uh, uh, you know, but we splurged. We got a, a nice hotel and all this stuff. And we, we went, went to this hotel, and and I, it was it was actually really unnerving to me 
because the staff were always like, oh, can, can I get you anything? Can, can you? And, and they're like at your beck and call and it's like, why, why are you doing that? This is weird, right? I, I, don't, I don't want that, you know? I just wanted to stay at a nice place, you know? <laughs> you know and, and, you know, people serving you is, is, seems very odd, you know? Um, and it, it seems almost like it's, uh, uh, they are being devalued, you know? It, I mean, I, I appreciate that I'm paying a, a bill and stuff like that, but, but it, it just felt weird, you know? Um, I remember as a, as a child, uh, uh, I thought it was weird that my mom, okay, who's a homemaker, you know, um, spent all this time cooking and cleaning and preparing all these meals and stuff like that, you know? I remember as a child, I made, made up a, 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 a costing sheet. I'm, I'm, I'm like, <laughs> the, the accountant's looking at me, what are you doing? I mean, I'm like a cost, almost like, you know, well, okay, she does this, so I should pay her this much. And I was like, I, I did the calculation. I was like, oh, no, no, this doesn't work out. <laughs> this isn't working out. But because I was like, well, I don't, I don't get why she's doing all these things. You know, for me to, to, to serve someone it seems very odd or to be served seems very odd. And yet, what we have with Jesus is the promise of a divine king, that is a servant king, who speaks about a greater value, who, who lives out as a servant to bring more value to being a servant. The most powerful of kings doesn't give up his crown to serve. He sees service and sacrifice as central to his crown, central to his dominion. On one level, this should uh, spur us on that we may love and lead and to care as our servant king. I think about the ways that uh, I, I raise my children uh, and how often uh, my emotions get the better of me and I demand and maybe chastise uh, like a power-hungry ruler but rather to follow after a servant king should inspire me to not shout loudly from above, but to come alongside or from below and to seek the best ways to serve my children. I also think about um, the people that I encounter from day to day. Uh, and I think about a passage like uh, Matthew 25, the, the, where there's a separation of the, the sheep and the goats. And uh, where Jesus says, you know, how you treat the least of these is how you've treated me. And we need to ask God how it is in our lives that we are to serve others, especially the least of these, and to express the kind of love that a servant king would express. But on another level, I think... Um, to know that the promised divine king is a servant king also beckons us to worship. To worship he who has, been given, who has given greater value to the lowliest of this world. Especially in this Christmas season, may we have the awe and wonder and give worship to the child born in a lowly major manger, whom we may call Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, and Prince of Peace. Let us pray.
Father, we give thanks to you for being our God and being the one who chose to send your Son and to promise your Son to this world. Not only to the uh, nation of Israel, not only to uh, the southern kingdom or the northern kingdom, but to this world. So much was placed in the promises of this child to be born. And that so much we are the beneficiaries of this child, of this divine king. And we pray that you turn our hearts more and more towards you, that we may be inspired by the life that Jesus lived on earth and the continuing life that your Spirit calls us to live today. Help us to love like you love, in this world, amongst the people that are around us. Um, and also help us to love you more, and to turn more to, your, to you in awe and wonder of our servant King. Thank you in Jesus Christ's holy name we pray. Amen.